You're entering the vicinity of an area adjacent to a location. The kind of place where there might be a monster or some kind of weird mirror. These are just examples. It could also be something much better. Prepare to enter the scary door. They know how to make you smile. You're already here, why don't you stay a while? Kick back, relax, you freaks. They're playing all the tricks and taking all of the treats. Grab a whiskey and hang on tight. Smoke that bong with all your might. They write books, but that ain't all. One's short and smooth and one is hairy and tall. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. They argue about everything and then drive each other so insane. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Best buds talking book of the week. And all the horror stuff that they think is neat Hanging loose doing ridiculous reads Not cause we deserve it cause it's what we need Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne They argue about everything and drive each other so insane Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne it's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Welcome to Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne. I'm John Wayne, and you know I like to dance and sing. And with me, as always, the bearded maestro of New England, Christopher Triana. <laughs> How are you, sir, my friend? The bearded maestro of New England, the preferer of love. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, I'm here and I'm happy to be here, but I'm also happy that uh, someone else is here with us, a returning guest. Would you like to introduce him? Oh, I'm just chomping at the bit. I thought you were about to take my job from me, and I was no, about no. to inter- I was about to jump no. all over you, dude. I was no, like, no, "How no. dare you?" But you didn't. I appreciate you threw it. You volleyed it back to me so that I could do a spike down because so this do guest, it already. I <laughs> this guest that we have with us today, as our Urban Legend series rolls on, um, lots of fun is the returning guest. Uh, this guy, he's been on uh, our show. He's been on my shows before. He's been around the block. He is an excellent, most excellent horror author, came from the Bizarro scene. He and I have a very close, tight bond in that. Uh, And he is a fantastic graphic artist and artist in his own right. And uh, he's an awesome dude for life, for sure. Scott Cole is here. Uh, What are Yins doing? (laughs) What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on again. I'm excited to be here. Hell yeah, man. Always good to see you. Yeah. So what's and going Yins, on? In, up Yins is more of I know a, that's a Pittsburgh yeah, thing. Yeah. That I know. I'm in Philly. Let's. I know water ice on. and whatnot. <laughs> the water ice or whatever. Hey, well, we we had a guest uh, from Scotland, and uh, John Wayne introduced him as coming from the Emerald Emerald Isle. So hey, it's close enough. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I was that was a part of the joke, dude. Which is funny that we talked about it off mic because he was like, I was trying to come up with a comeback, but I couldn't think of something quick enough. <laughs> Shouts out, John. You know I love you, dude. Um, Absolutely, we do. Absolutely, we do. And uh, but we also love Scott, and and he's here right mm-hmm. now, Scott. Thank um. You. And I love you. 
I love you Aww. back, man. What's been going on, dude? One thing that like uh, you live in the Philadelphia area, like we were saying, and I know when we've talked in the past, there's always like badass like shit going on, like kind of in your area where like the you know, theaters throw like a 24 hour horror thon, <laughs> or you guys get 35 millimeter prints of some fucking yeah. yeah. There you go, the shirt, some <laughs> movie that none of us can even stream. You know, just because you guys live in some cool part of town, and you and Adam Caesar just run around on devil wings, just having all these fine adventures. What's going on in Philly now? Anything <clears throat> else true like that happening or what? Uh, there's. There's less of that happening, uh, unfortunately. Mm, um, COVID, yeah. COVID yeah. is a big part of that. Also, like the the main uh, the main theater where those big twenty uh, four hour marathons mm-hmm. would happen uh, shut down a little bit before COVID. Um, but the the group who puts those events on is Exhumed Films, um, and I'm mm. wearing a shirt from Shouts out. Uh, their most recent twenty four hour event, which was uh, in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was a lot of fun. They showed some crazy stuff. Um, yeah, there's. Uh, I mean, there's a few events here and there, but not the not the massive weekly. Not what it was. Like yeah, pretty cool. I think we'll get back there eventually. I hope yeah. so. I hope so too. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. one, one, one of these days. Cool. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm that, a big movie guy, so I really <laughs> miss uh, seeing those seeing some crazy stuff on the screen yeah yeah it's uh it's i think we're all suffering from the exhaustion of, of this plague and not being able to do things and if we do do things we you know do wearing do. masks and everything else you know um social distancing um yeah yeah it's 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 exhausting you know uh, particularly at this point it's been two fucking years you know so yeah but well, uh, being well, you know, you mentioned you are you are a big movie guy, Scott. Have you? Uh, what have you seen new recently that that kind of has, has resonated with you, horror wise or you know, thriller wise? <sighs> Spider Man was good. <laughs> okay, okay, Wes. I didn't know you were on the show today. Calm down. Uh, I love you, Wes. Oh, <laughs> uh, what have I seen recently? I just watched. Um, I recently watched. Uh, the rejuvenator not a new movie but it was new to me it's from the mm-hmm. 80s okay. um and it was a movie that i um like a lot of people i think passed over tons of times in the video stores back in the day um i remember the cover yes <laughs> it stumps quite a few people um but yeah, I remember sounds, the box like cover. Christian Christian band or the Christian rock band. The Rejuvenators <laughs> are coming. It's also, I guess, it's also known as Rejuvenatrix. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I, it is. We yeah. recognize, yeah. So I, it was new to me. Um, it's got some really crazy effects, uh, physical, you know, latex, uh, yeah. rubber appliance, prosthetic type stuff. Um, some really goopy uh, special effects and stuff like that toward the end. So that was kind of a nice surprise. Um, I don't think it's available on home video. It is on YouTube. It's not the greatest quality. Okay. I, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'm looking at it now too. Okay. It's a little, it's a little slow to be, to start off, but by the end it gets like delightfully goopy. Mm. So if you're into eighties cheese like that, and I know you are. Delightfully, (laughs) delightfully goopy is an excellent, pull quote yeah. like i would like you, you should know, put I'm that kind of, on something i'm kind <laughs> of uh 
I kind of have a, a a leg up on a lot of other people when it comes to like remembering uh, VHS boxes because I actually worked in a video store for mm. years um, nice. in the 90s. Um, so like I have a like photographic memory or not not really, but of like yeah. I have like a very clear memory of like all of these box covers. And I must say I don't recognize this one at oh, all. Okay, not at all. Uh, but it looks super uh, goopy and fun. I mean. Yeah. You've got Give this it a chance. like you've got this like female rawhead Rex like on the cover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I thought. It reminds me of that kind of yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. It's about a, an aging actress who uh wants to regain her youth and, and be to rejuvenate. To... Exactly. And so she meets, you know, she just happens to okay. know a mad scientist who uh, was working on something like that. So and well, of course kind of, things so go wrong. Of... So it's kind of like uh, Clayface from uh, Batman. Mm. Yeah, because that's what he was. That's what I mean. I'm, now I'm the nerd uh, about <laughs> comic books, but no, Clayface. He was a, he was an actor, and he wanted to be able to be like the ultimate Lon Chaney, change his face, change his appearance, and he mm -hmm. dealt with a mad scientist, and he became a monster. So there you go. And you see, that's how you know I'm a real Batman fan because that shit hasn't been in the movies yet. Right. That's like that's like true comic book stuff. <laughs> so. But anyway, well, Clay, well done. it was you on Batman the Animated Series, though. It was on that. It was on yeah. that, too. Yes. Um, I, I just want to ask one more movie question before we move on, uh, uh, Scott, because uh, I do <laughs> value your, your opinion and uh, I appreciate your work. Is this, your, is this about the butter scene again with, with Blast Tango in Paris? Is it is I, again? <laughs> <laughs> all right i withdraw my question i'll ask i'll ask my i'll ask my follow-up instead oh, i see ahead. so behind yes. you in, in in your background the people are watching this video first of all you see how lovely you look and oh. the rest of us as well but you have a halloween three uh there in the background uh hang i do out. so <clears throat> chris and i have talked about this uh you know it, halloween kills what yeah. what 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 please i, I think, he, I think <laughs> I, he means what is your opinion on it? yeah I yeah it I, I i gathered that i think um, okay. <laughs> well sometimes i, I sometimes also I it's like, halloween kills comma what uh, yeah. well, sometimes i like on this show i feel like like a parent trying to explain a three-year-old's gibberish you know <laughs> it's like me and john wayne because like because <laughs> he's, he's John Wayne, and I'm like, well, okay, here's what Wait, he means. I, who are you talking about? Yeah, but you shouldn't talk about our guests but like I, that, dude. We I've known I've known John Wayne longer than I've known you, so I okay, you know, fair enough. I, I I can translate at this point. Okay. I think he speaks he speaks J Dub. Yeah. No, but what I, I don't I because I don't want to like launch into something right now. I want just want to hear what you thought of. Sounds to me like you're not a fan. Um, I didn't say anything. I, I, I know but I speak John Wayne. Um, <laughs> I, I liked it and I'm not ashamed to say, um, I know a lot of people who did not like it, um, but it worked for me. Well, Scott, um, it's great having you on the show. Uh, we'll go ahead and, uh, <laughs> see you Chris, later. Uh, another loser. time. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, uh, no, no, no. That's no. okay. That's, There's room for all of us. There is. There is. It's not discussion it, of world. It's not cinema. for everybody, and it definitely no, was not for Chris and myself. Definitely not for everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, John Wayne and I didn't care for it. I will say this: yeah. uh, I liked it much better than the previous one. Uh, really? Okay. But that 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 says a lot about how bad the previous one was. Yeah, because I didn't I didn't like the other one. Either. I didn't like. The other I hated one. it. I, I was so that. mad. 
in the I theater. I was like, why did I come see this? It's making me so angry. I knew it was gonna <laughs> I knew it was gonna suck before before I went into it, but it still managed to exceed my expectations of suckiness. Uh, okay. but the second but the second one, Halloween Kills, um, although it was the same convoluted nonsense. Uh, with re- like ridiculous callbacks <laughs> to like Lonnie for Christ's sake, you're gonna make him a character, really? Lonnie. Uh, but 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 I did like some things about it. I thought the kills were fantastic, um, and I also I was really impressed uh, by how they did how they did the Doctor Loomis uh, flashback scene. I thought that was really cool. That was uh, cool. Yeah, and the kills uh, were great. Right, right. Uh, so I got to give it that. Um, so it has those two things, which the the first film didn't didn't have uh for me um you know but i also think that a lot of the 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 murders in the recent halloween movies and this isn't just exclusive to the last two um this this includes the zombie ones and other ones uh i think a lot of the the kills are way too brutal and over the top uh for the character you know like him dropping teeth like into the bathroom stall and stuff that's cool and everything but that's a very jason type of thing to me uh or a freddy type of thing uh to me michael myers wouldn't go to like these brute these levels of brutality to me he's just like a kill well, and move on kind of guy like it just I mean, doesn't he's, seem he's, he's decades into a killing spree at this point like maybe he, he felt like he needed a little bit of a flourish to keep up with this is, true. this is true. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm but, gonna get, I'm gonna drop teeth this time. You know, maybe I'll mix but, it up. You know, we'll invite all, a third into the bedroom or something like that. You know, in He's, all fairness, um, I love uh, Halloween Four, and like some of the kills in that are crazy, brutal, over the top. And I, and as early as Halloween Two, he started doing these like gruesome kills because you know the slasher boom was in full effect because of the first Halloween movie, and so mm-hmm. they had to kind of keep up with the times. Uh, and that's why you have him like boiling a woman in a jacuzzi and putting a, a fucking needle into through someone's head. And like you have all these more extreme kills than you have in the first film. Um, mm. But I don't know. This is just me being persnickety about Michael Myers. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he is my well, favorite. So, you know, I'm sensitive. Some, some, would, some would say we are old men yelling at Cloud. Uh, I would say <laughs> I would say we're right. That's yes. just the two opinions. But as Fair bad enough. as as bad as I think the, the last two Halloween movies are, they are so much better than the Rob Zombie ones. So 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 much better. So. We can agree there. Yeah, I'm Excellent. not a big fan of the, the zombie films. And I'm a fan of zombie films, but not a fan of Rob Zombie films. So yeah, um, I will Same. say for, for well, it was guys, great to have me on the show, guys. I'll, uh, I'll see you later. And. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say uh, for you guys and for anybody else who is not a fan of Halloween Kills, I would I would say go check out um, my friend and you guys know him as well, uh, Matt Serafini, fellow mm-hmm. writer. Uh, yeah. On his on his website, he wrote he did like a write up when Halloween Kills first came out. And he sort of did a review of it and kind of went point by point about why he likes it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, he probably liked it even more than I did. And uh, he, he's he got a real knack for film review. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so give it a read. Maybe it'll change your mind. Maybe it won't. But Yeah. And I'm know. not discouraging anybody from seeing the movie. See the movie because you might love yeah. it. I, oh, yeah. I, yeah. 
you know, it was just like, Nick, Nick and I are watching things. it in Oklahoma City going like, this is like the Simpsons meets Michael Myers. Like, what is happening here? <laughs> like, this just like, it was very funny. But That's one of the great <laughs> things about movies and, and books. I mean, you can. And art. You know, it's it's yeah, subjective. Art in general. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. come away with totally polar opposite opinions and discuss yeah. it. And, absolutely. Uh, like, still be like, friends. I, like, absolutely. As I said, like, I love. Uh, I love Halloween four. It's my favorite of all the sequels. And a lot of people hate Halloween four. Mm -hmm. uh, and I understand some of their complaints, but to me, it just has a great ending and it's just got so much atmosphere and. Uh, I like it. Yeah. I, I love it. I love yeah. it. I think it's like one of the most underrated horror sequels there is. Yeah. Um, but uh, Halloween kills was just like a little, um, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't want to say nonsensical, but like, that's that's kind of how I felt with it, um, where it was like I, I hate when there's a long delayed sequel and they they're so desperate to tie it back to the first one. Uh, like I said, like they made Lonnie um, like a, a bigger character and they like they just go and they grab all of these tiny characters, uh, Lindsay and everyone else and like make them big characters again. It's like really all these, you need to pull in all these people. Just just Lori and her own family is enough. By pulling in all of these other characters, I feel like they took time away from developing yeah. characters, uh, from developing other characters, you know, and making me give a shit when what happens in the end happens, which I did not give a shit uh, mm -hmm. because the characters weren't developed enough. Uh, okay. It also felt it felt too much like a bridge movie to me too. It didn't feel like its own standalone movie. It was like, yeah, we know there's a third. You one. know, yeah, yeah. So it was very much a bridge movie, but I, I'll I'll concede that. To some extent, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I, I kind of like that they went into some of the other characters a little bit, um, just because the you know the, the 2018 movie focused on Laurie and her mm -hmm. family, so mm -hmm. you yeah. can see why they expanded things a little bit because that's what you do in sequels. But right, that's okay. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. No, it's all good. And I I get the I don't. I think I can speak for Chris, but not, not, not neither of us. We went into it like we're. I, I didn't go into it say like fuck. I'm gonna hate this fucking movie. I yeah. wanted to like it. I sure. wanted to like the other one. I thought I was going Me too, to absolutely. I, but it's I just always, like I, I, I don't. Like yeah, them. I don't approach I, anything with the with the the mindset of like I can't wait to hate this. It's just yeah. like oh yeah, I'm not like that at all. Uh, <laughs> if I if I'm if I'm that dead set against it, I won't watch it. Yeah, I just won't watch it. And that's how I was with um, uh, Rob Zombie's second one, where I was just like, I can't like I couldn't even sit through the first one. And so with the second one, I was just like, oh. forget it. I'm just I just can't do it. You know, is that uh, why and, you can't watch my second foot sex tape that I sent you? Yeah, the first one didn't do it for me. So I'm kind of over it. Dude, I told you I kind of made that's, some different choices. Yeah, that's, I, I've seen it. And that actually is one of the rare, the rare Thank sequels you. that improves <laughs> upon the original. Thank so, you, Scott. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it is the Godfather 2. <laughs> it's in your. It's still in your inbox, that, Chris. I know it is. It's the, it's the Terminator 2 of, of foot, <laughs> of foot sex, but sex yeah. Foot films. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's... That's a good amount of gibberish. I think we can get into the show now. <laughs> Talked about lots of random shit. <laughs> All right. See if you can pull off a segue now. Yes. So speaking of uh, segues, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's go right into our first segment, which is Book of the Week. 
Book of the week. It is the book of the week, my friends. Uh, so, book of the week. Uh, usually, we we you know focus on lesser known uh, horror titles, uh, new books, and stuff like that. But I had one I wanted to point out in relation to something that uh, some stuff that I picked up fairly recently, uh, and something and a book that I really like, and I think everyone should read. Um, I also wanted to do this because I have a new novel coming out in a few weeks that is a crime novel. I have a few crime novels out already. Uh, um, of course, I'm mostly known as a horror author, but I write crime novels too because I want to have some books out there that don't sell at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, I recently was in um, uh, PA and visiting uh West Southern, and we went to a, a really cool bookstore near him. I know that John Wayne went to it at one point too. I don't remember the name of the place, but anyway, we went and I and I found a couple of, of things that I had to grab immediately because uh, I love old crime fiction uh, from like the fifties and seventies, Jim Thompson and and uh, you know guys like that, um, Richard Stark and 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 stuff. Uh, so anyway, I found these two uh, really great. Uh, books by Mickey Spillane and I grabbed them immediately because for one thing I didn't have them for another thing the covers of these books are amazing uh and these uh these kind of line up with some of the ones that I already had and these are uh from the 1970s early 70s and just look at how beautiful this is okay this is a book called The Erection Set all right <laughs> now this is a crime thriller I love right? it right this is a crime sure thriller. It is. But for exactly for those of you uh, who may be watching the video, like uh, you know, if you're watching the video, you can see uh, that Mickey Spillane's the erection set. Uh, the cover is a naked woman holding a gun. She's got her leg up in the air. It looks like a, a, a fucking Playboy hustler cover. magazine. And, yeah. and, and, and like the tagline, it says his. Oh, put it back up. Put it back up. Mm -hmm. Let me see again. Yeah. It says. It says his biggest. Wait. What does that his, say? It just says his newest, biggest, and best. It's yeah, like a, but it's blur. called but it's called the erection set. His newest, yeah. biggest, and best. Yeah, the yeah. erection set. Well, I also got this one, uh, which is called the twisted thing, uh, and it's <laughs> <laughs> and it's got a silhouette of a, a naked woman in a doorway. I love how sexy these covers are. They make me want to read the book. Like I don't understand people that are like so against sex in a book. I find it 10 times more erotic than actual pornography. I love it. Um, I don't understand why people don't like it. Uh, some people say it slows down the story or whatever. I'm like, no, uh, it depends on what you're reading or what you're reading for. Like uh, uh, Graham Masterson, uh, like excellent horror writer. He, he, a lot of his books have very detailed sex scenes. Uh, you know, uh, Watchers and, and Tengu uh, have very explicit sex scenes. And they're awesome books. Uh, but anyway, these are crime novels, and Mickey Spillane. Well, once you've, I'm sorry to interrupt, but once you, no, no, once ahead. you've, uh, you know, seen some of John Wayne's videos, that's know, true. That's books true. can really pale in comparison. So. Well, I and guess, oh, I, so. I want to say, like the last time, like when I had the twisted thing, like I had to go to the urologist and have him untwist. <laughs> like my balls were like yeah. they just called it like, oh, he's got the twisted thing, and they, I, I was like in a line with like three other dudes. It's more common than you'd think. Uh, just say it. <laughs> it, it, it does happen and uh uh yeah and uh, well the, i grabbed these two because it also uh, added to my collection 
of Mickey Splane books, uh, many of which, because uh, these actually are really great crime novels. Mickey Splane was yeah. a legend. Uh, uh, so, um, uh, but I wanted to add it to my paperback collection of Mickey Splane. So I wanted to show you two of my favorite other ones that I have, uh, that I already had long before I bought these two. Uh, this one is called Vengeance is Mine. And you can see it has like a, a terrified woman on a bed. Uh, but then my absolute favorite book cover is The Last Cop Out. Uh, oh hell is, yeah! Yeah, which has the which features a beautiful blonde from the back, and she's completely nude. Um, I actually had a girlfriend once who was really pissed that I had this book because she was just insanely jealous about everything, and I was like, "It's it's a fucking crime novel. Calm the fuck down." You know? What a weirdo! Did she have one of those like no porn in the house rules, or like you can't look at porn? Yeah, she bullshit. was. Fuck she was. She was oh, how insecure control. is she? Uh, very, very. <laughs> Let's call uh, her now. Bring her on the yes, show. Here we go. <laughs> Special <laughs> guest. <laughs> God no, I do not want to talk to that woman ever again. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, so I, I just wanted to show you guys those. Uh, I thought they were really cool. Uh, but although I'm talking about Mickey Spillane, and you should read Mickey Spillane if you like crime fiction, I wanted to actually bring up a different crime novel uh, because I was thinking about it recently, uh, and because we're all writers here. Uh, this this is a crime novel and a crime author that I love. Uh, it's a classic crime book uh and i also wanted to talk about it on uh behalf of just writing in general uh and this is a little book by george v higgins called the friends of eddie coyle oh nice cool okay now i'm not sure if either of you have heard of this book at all i i have not read it but i have seen the film yes okay so yeah the robert uh, mitchum um, film yeah. yeah i i have not seen the film but i have also not read the book or heard of it Okay, very good. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this book is from about forty years ago, and um, it's an excellent, excellent crime novel. Uh, it made a, it made for a good movie, but I definitely recommend reading the book as well. Uh, the film stars Robert Mitchum. It was one of his later films. It's very good. Uh, but uh, anyway, I'm going to read the back of this, so I'll give you an idea of what the story is about. By the way, this is um, enormous. Has been enormously praised. I mean, Elmore Leonard, one of the greatest crime writers of all time, said uh, that this is the best crime novel ever written. It makes the Maltese Falcon read like Nancy Drew, <laughs> which is a funny way wow. to put it. But uh, anyway, uh, George shots fired, dude. Nancy Drew, <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> George V. Higgins' seminal crime novel is a down and dirty tale of thieves, mobsters, and cops on the mean streets of Boston. When small-time gunrunner Eddie Coyle is convicted of a felony, he's looking at three years in the pen. That is, unless he sells out one of his big fish clients to the DA. But which of the many hoods, gunmen, and executioners whom he calls friends should he send up the river? Told almost entirely in crackling dialogue by a vivid cast of low-lives and detectives, The Friends of Eddie Coyle is one of the greatest crime novels ever written. And I totally agree with that, uh, particularly... Uh, the, the dialogue aspect. Um, for those of you who listen to the show, uh, because we're writers uh, and are looking for writerly advice, and even to, to you guys who haven't read the book, I highly recommend this as just a study in dialogue. Um, it's some of the greatest, most real feeling dialogue I've ever read in a book. Um, really fantastic. Uh, it's also just a great story, very suspenseful, and um, really paints a picture of 1970s Boston uh, that is stunningly accurate. Of course, I wasn't in Boston in the 70s, but I did live in Boston for years. 
Um, and it just really echoes that uh, beautifully. Uh, so uh, George V. Higgins, The Friends of Eddie Coyle, definitely check that out. Awesome. Yeah, I'll Hell add yeah, that man. to my list. I'm, I'm definitely a fan of, uh, of Jim Thompson and um, some older stuff, too, you know, uh, Raymond Chandler and Dasha right. Hammett and yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Cornell Woolrich. I don't know if you ever read anything by him. Him I haven't. Uh, I, do, I have read all those yeah. other ones you mentioned, but uh, no, what's his name? Yeah, Cornell Woolrich. What did he uh, write? W-O-O-L-R-I-C-H. He, I mean, he wrote a lot of things under pseudonyms. Um, uh, uh, one of those was uh, "I Married a Dead Man." Um, oh, I have read that. I have. Read okay, that. yeah, yes. I think the yeah the name that it was written under like William Irish Irish or something like that. Yeah, yeah, um, that's that's like from the forties. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's an old one. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was kind of in that same time period as uh, Chandler and Hammett. Those guys. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, I, I, I have that in a collection actually of forties crime novels oh, okay. that yeah, yeah it's great it's a great collection it has nightmare alley and it has oh, nice. um yeah god i love nightmare alley i haven't seen yeah. the movie yet but man that's that's such a great book um i need to I'm read almost, that as well <laughs> it's fantastic that's really more of yeah. a horror story than a crime novel but yeah. i mean it is a crime novel but it's really intense yeah. uh, i really also, like i'm sorry i was gonna say i just really okay. like both both films of that i've enjoyed so i've been recently i've been wanting to to read the book so. yeah yeah, I've never seen either film version. Um, uh, but you know, oh yeah, and the other like the, the other one is like um, um, they shoot horses, don't they? Is in it, and Postman Always Rings Twice is in it. So it's like it's this great collection. Yeah, yeah. Um, got it a long time ago, you know, like probably twenty years ago, and was really blown away by them. Uh, but yeah, uh, George V. Higgins, uh, excellent. He also wrote um, uh, what would become Killing Them Softly, which is an underrated crime film. Um, it was originally called Kogan, Kogan's Run, uh, but the, the movie is Killing Them Softly. It's with Brad Pitt and James Gandolfini and mm-hmm. uh, Ray Liotta. Excellent crime movie. Excellent yeah. crime movie. Underrated, underwatched. Um, so anyway, uh, I, but that's I, that. I was uh, just so our <laughs> listeners know, like uh, you don't have to uh, find this. Um, you don't have to go to Pennsylvania and visit Wesley Southard and go to some weird, creepy bookstore with him to find this. It is available. I I just purchased it on Amazon while we while we were talking because it oh, piqued my interest that much. Yeah. The, oh, good. The, the good. book. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, just I, found didn't, it, so. I didn't get Eddie Coyle in, in PA anyway. I just got. I, oh, I just, okay. Well, then I just want to reiterate: you don't have to get yeah, any books no, no. with Wes in a in a creepy Pennsylvania bookstore no, with but weird earth you, dolls hanging from the ceiling but, and. But that stuff. is that is where I found people. Them. You. That you is need where to I stop found. visiting Wes in Southern. No, I want to because I got Zardoz from there, dude. From that from that bookstore. I think I know the bookstore you're talking about, and I was there once as well. Yeah. yeah, that is only where I've got two of these McKinley Spillane books, but I also oh, okay. got some very good books for Ridiculous Reads that you will be hearing in the future, but... Can't wait. But, speaking of, our special guest, Scott Cole, has a Ridiculous Read for us that uh, I'm very excited about. So, <laughs> without further ado, Ridiculous Reads. <laughs> No, she didn't. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> Ridiculous, Reed. So, Ridiculous. So give you, it to you, us, Scott. Scott, take it away. You say you're excited about this, but 
I may change your mind. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know um, what it is. So. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> so I, I, 2021 was good for one thing, and that was I managed to track down a number of pretty rare uh, books that I had been looking for for years. And th this is one of them. So I figured uh, just the other day, I thought, I need to dive into this. It's It looks crazy. Um, I'm going to read it. And maybe there'll be something I can, I can read on this podcast. So the book I will be reading from is a, a fairly rare, I won't say classic because it's not a classic, but it would be considered a paperback from hell. And it is... Eat them alive. Nice. I pierce nace. What there's, the fuck? A, for those of you listening, <laughs> the cover is a giant praying mantis uh, hovering over a guy, a la the deadly spawn. <laughs> that cover fucking rules, dude. Yeah. Eat them alive. There are. Oh, that's awesome. There Does are that start? That star. Does that say now motion picture? Is that what that says? No, it says. Uh, it says oh. first time in paperback. Oh, okay. Which I don't think it was ever a hard time. <laughs> it's the first so. time in, in print. <laughs> and, yeah. And uh, only time. <laughs> and only, and I, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I know that there are two different cover designs for this. I believe that this is the American version. And then there's also a British version that has a, uh, like a, a very tightly cropped uh, close up of a praying mantis head that is. Uh, dripping with blood um but i don't know i kind of i like this i like this cover with the full enormity yeah of the praying mantis better so uh, so what what made you start hunting this down was it is it because it was in uh grady hendrix's books from hell or you know i i honestly i don't remember if it was featured in the paperbacks from hell book but mm. um prior to that book coming out there's a there's a website still active um called too much horror fiction um, and it's a blog devoted to exactly this type mm. of uh, horror fiction that was prevalent, uh, especially in the 70s and 80s, um, into the 90s. Um, and uh, that, it's uh, run by Will Erickson, who uh, actually contributed to uh, Grady Hendrix's <laughs> Hell book. So uh, you'll find his name in there as well. Um, Scott, I have pulled up the uh, UK cover. And, okay. Uh, it is just a close up of the the yeah, like you said, and it's all bloody as fuck. Yeah. Um, and it just says a new peak in horror, yes. as like the tagline and a splash of blood. So there you go. You figure. So, it out. um, yeah. So I had I had read about this on on Will's blog, Too Much Horror, and uh, you know, it's uh, fair warning. This is not a good book. It is. It is a rare book. Um, it's. It yes. commands uh, a, a pretty decent price if you can even find it. Uh, I just looked the other day again on like eBay and and used book listings. I was only able to find a couple copies, and they, I think they were going for anywhere from like one hundred and fifty to four hundred dollars for mm. paperback. I thankfully did not pay anywhere close to that. I would hope this. not. Yeah. Because yeah, it's not worth it. And yeah, because because we would have to have an intervention if you were spending four hundred dollars <laughs> on this shit. <laughs> I got I got pretty lucky uh, finding this one online. Bring them out, um, everyone. I'll start so. by reading my letter, dear Scott. 
<laughs> I love you so so much, and I hate to see you <laughs> destroy yourself with praying mantis. Four hundred dollar praying mantis books. No, no, we love no, you no. too much. Please go back to us, Scott. Maybe I'll sell it for that much one day. I would never there buy it go. for that much, and I do not recommend that any of you do either. Um, but if you'd like to offer, make some offers, you know. Yeah, much. unless you want to buy um, it for four hundred, then we recommend that you do yeah. buy it. And there's nothing of... wrong with you at all. You're awesome, really. Highly encourage that. And Scott takes behavior. many forms of payment. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk he about does. that offline. PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, all of them. Oh, oh, oh okay, that's yeah, what yeah. he meant. Okay. All right. So, all right. So, I have a section from this that I'd like to read. Um, I was going to read uh, from the very first chapter because this book just dives right in. Um, but as I, I've read further, I, I found an even better section. Um, well, are, do you want to give us a synopsis? Yeah, I want to. Well, I'm, yeah. I don't want to read the back, but I'll just tell you because the back okay. it's kind of a I don't know, it's yeah, kind yeah. of a mess. This book is a mess. I mean, there's lots of typos. There, there's lots of words that I'm not even sure are technically words, mm. uh, and I don't think that they're the result of of typos uh i think they're just it's just bad writing um so uh oh and i should also say that a pierce nace was a um was a pseudonym although a very thinly veiled pseudonym the author's name apparently was evelyn pierce nace um and she chopped off her first name and went under this name and i, I think she was like a uh I don't know. I forget. I read something about her. She was like a real estate agent or something. And then she uh, dabbled in crime fiction a bit to, to call that back a little bit. And then wrote this one horror novel and to my knowledge, never wrote anything again. Oh, uh, so this is the only horror so novel that she wrote. Yeah. As, as far as anybody knows. Um, so, um, I'll give you uh, sort of the background of this. The the main character is a guy named uh, Dyke Mellis is his name. So uh, D-Y-K-E is his first name. Wow. Yeah, it's <laughs> interesting, uh, interesting choice. One of one of many. Um, and he uh, uh, in flashback, we learned that he was uh, kind of part of a, a small gang uh, of five people who would um, find people with money or jewels or various valuables, and they would break into their homes and torture them and kill them and then make off with the loot. Mm. Uh, but in this one particular instance, uh, they did that, and the guy that they robbed and tortured and ultimately killed uh, had something like $2 million in cash, and the, the group of five of them were going to make off with it, but uh, our main character, Dyke, decides uh, in the middle of the night to make off with all of it himself, mm -hmm. but he gets caught in the act. And uh, rather than beat him up, the other four guys decide to castrate him, you know, like you do. Um, so that'll learn him. Yeah, that'll, that'll teach him a lesson. Well, um, yeah, when you want to send a message, yeah. you, you know, it's best just to go right to it. So, no yeah, pussy so that's kind of our... no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of where we where we begin with this and then uh but that is told in flashback in the second and third chapters in the first chapter we dive right into the present which is 11 years later and uh our, our character our main character dyke is on a fishing boat 
just off of uh, the coast of an island, which itself is off the coast of Colombia. And there's very suddenly an earthquake and tidal waves and the islands that he lives on, uh, the ground starts to break apart. And um, for who knows what reason, giant praying mantises crawl out of the ground and attack and they begin eating uh, the residents of this island. But Dyke is safe on this boat just off the, uh, just off the edge of the island. Well, are they so, are they mating and then killing, or are they just killing? <laughs> they're just killing. They're hungry, um, and they're big. Uh, they're not quite. A, they're not described as being quite as big as they are on the cover of this book, mm. but they're still big. Um, so, uh, Dyke, who who, as I mentioned, has been castrated, d- uh, discusses how excited he feels watching these giant praying mantises eat the residents of the island and how it, it like borders on like sexual excitement. It's really strange. Mm. Um, and uh, so he describes that and uh, moving forward in the story, he he decides, oh, how great would it be if I could tame these creatures and become their master and uh, go find the other four guys who did this to me and, you know, feed them to these mantises. So uh, the largest of the... He's fucking them. He's fucking them too, right? That's like <laughs> it's not it. explicit, but you know, you, well, it's you draw implied. Your own conclusions. Okay, it's implied. So, uh, yeah. So he captures the largest of the mantises. He paints its head red, and uh, he names it Slayer, and decides, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna train these creatures, and then we're gonna go get those guys." So, and and John Wayne, how is he gonna fuck them? He's castrated. <laughs> Do you know what castrated means? Well, when a man and a woman care about each other very much, they like to express it physically, you know, and and, and sometimes I, I don't want to get a whole mansplanation of this to you, but That's because yeah. you don't know what it means. He's anyway. back there. Dude, he is licking the shit out of those fucking clits on those June bugs or whatever okay. they are. Take it uh, easy. Take it easy. All right. Mantises. Let's, all right. I mean. Let's hear it. So Let's hear it. we're going to dive right in here. Um, so this is actually toward, I have not yet finished this. I'm very excited to find out how it ends up, but, uh, oh, getting pretty close to the end here. I, I don't feel that this is a book that anybody actually needs to spend the money on <laughs> or read. Um, <laughs> so I don't feel bad about skipping pretty close to the end and giving you one of the climactic scenes. Mm-hmm. So strap in. And, and again, I, I should also say like, if, if it sounds like I've skipped over a word or said something that doesn't make sense it's it's in it's in it's the text it's the text yeah okay so now at this point he's uh he has um encountered one of the one of the other gang members whose name is kane k-a-n-e here we go what about pete and zeb did you kill them i did or rather my mantises did your mantises you mean you haven't heard of the great green monsters on melpello where my home is Hell no, there can't be any monsters there or any place else in South America. Now Kane was comfortable, defiant, but Dyke countered. I'll show them I'll show them to you tonight before I turn them loose to eat the people outside the house, and you last of all. You wouldn't dare. I'd dare anything to punish you, Kane, and you'll believe every word I'm saying to you when the attack starts. You'll credit me when my mantises start biting off arms and legs, when they slit bodies open, 
when the blood runs red all over the fancy table and yard out there. You're off your rocker. Perhaps you gave me a permanent headache and poor eyesight 11 years ago. My mind wanders sometimes, yes, thanks to you and the other three. But I'm not crazy tonight. I know precisely what I'm doing. I'm bigger than you. I could overpower you. Don't try it. I'll shoot you as full of holes as I shot Zeb before I left. I let my best mantis, my slayer, eat him. Kane had not weakened, had not even appeared frightened. He evidently thought the whole thing was a scare tactic, or he intended to treat it as such. Dyke said, we'll go outdoors now, old pal. We'll go out and have a big fat ball, watching your wife and kids and those rich neighbors of yours go into my mantis's bellies, one piece at a time. He motioned with his gun, forcing Kane to walk ahead of him. When they reached the head of the adult table, Dyke said, my apologies for what is going to happen to all of you here tonight. I never <laughs> saw you before, and I've got nothing personal against any of you, but your host is one of the four most evil men in my world, and it's your bad luck that you're here with him now. He paused for effect and got the response he was seeking. Every person, man, woman, and child, paused in his eating, frozen with curiosity that grew into fear as they eyed Dyke's gun. Kane sprang in front of Dyke. Jesus, all of you, listen to me. Get your wives and kids and get away from here fast as you can. Get out of here before this madman shoots everybody. He whirled and grabbed for Dyke's gun hand, but Dyke was too quick for him and stepped aside, letting Kane go rolling on the grass. Dyke called, come, Slayer, friend, come get your supper, bring the others and come. The words had hardly left his lips when the 10 great insects came charging through the trees and bushes oh, straight shit. into the crowd of people that Dyke held prisoner. The men had not moved, had not dared to attempt to carry out Kane's order. Dyke said, Kane, stand here beside me. Come on, you hear? Stand here if you don't want to be a sieve. Kane obeyed. When their arms touched, Dyke felt his former co-conspirator's shoulder shaking. What the devil are those animals? I told you, giant mantises from Malpola. <laughs> well, stop them before they really do eat somebody. Now you're asking the impossible, Kane. Once I've turned my insects loose, they eat everyone in sight. I couldn't stop them if I wanted to. And God knows, I don't want to. Oh, shit. <laughs> he held the man at bay as the beasts tore into the people, seizing every soul that was gathered about the tables. Most of the insects cornered and clawed two people at a time, holding one down with each green foot, thus assuring themselves of as much people meat as they could hold. People meat! <laughs> <laughs> and Slayer, ever the alert killer, kept up a constant survey of the crowd. The red-headed beast bounded after the three who tried to escape and brought them back, clawing, sometimes kicking, tossing them into the midst of the mantis's meal. In horrified seconds, every living being was in the power of a green beast, either partly eaten or being held powerless by a massive green foot. Dyke drew his machete and said, everything's going well over here. I'd better get busy on you, old buddy Kane. Kane's voice was wavering a little. Sweat poured off his face and hands, and his eyes were swimming in tears. You're a goddamn devil, Dyke. Perhaps, just as four of you were to me. I'm not going to stand here and see those prehistoric animals eat my wife and kids. I don't know how you can prevent it now, and you'd better give a little thought to yourself. Get your mind ready to accept what I'm going to do to you. I don't give a damn what you do to me, but why in hell can't you leave the rest of them alone? Because they're part of your suffering. What else? Dyke raised his jeweled machete, letting the floodlights glisten upon the razor edge of it. I'm going Ooh, to cut a, you. A jeweled machete. Yes. 
I'm going to cut you into pieces, Cain, little pieces. Remember how you carved me up? Well, it's my turn to laugh as I cut you to bits, you hear? <laughs> Dyke, you insane devil, you can't! Oh, can't I? Dyke lashed out with a machete and cut through the sleeve of the man's bright shirt, taking a sizable slice of flesh off the arm. Cain jerked back, staring at the wound, his eyes blazing, his face a sea of hatred that rivaled the hatred in Dyke's heart. Before he could find his voice to speak again, Dyke had slashed him one, once more with the gleaming machete, this time reaching to the back, cutting off half the man's buttocks. <laughs> Take Kane, that. That's right. Kane Try felt, sitting down now. <laughs> cut off the good half, too. Cain <laughs> mm -hmm. fell to his knees, pleading now. Let me go in God's name. Let me go, Dyke. You're not a man. You're an animal, as much an animal as those whatever they are. Don't cut me anymore. I'd like you to beg me on your knees. I'm on my knees and I'm begging you, but you're not crying. I have to see all my old pals cry. Dyke waved a hand toward the mob of beasts that were biting. Or else I can't come. <laughs> Tearing out chunks of flesh in their great claws. See my beautiful redhead here? He's got your pretty little wife, Kane. He's going to tear off her breasts first and eat them while he sits on her. He loves the taste of women's breasts. Then he'll tear who, open her. Who doesn't? <laughs> And he'll okay. tear open I, I, her body. I'm, I'm sorry, dude, Rob. I yeah, that's right. Project here. I'll okay, take a drink. So this, this, this author is all about cutting off dicks, cutting off buttocks, cutting off breasts. Yeah. Okay, and it's a it's, female it's kind author. Of a it's a female author. So that's what's going on author. with her? Well, I just want to say uh, that women can do it too, uh, apparently. That's uh. right. And this, this, <laughs> this came out in uh, 1977. So... Far predates, years uh, ago. Yeah. yeah, predates the Splatterpunks. I mean, predates a lot of extreme horror. Not, uh, anyway, and I just want to say that this Dyke guy, like he ha he's been castrated, so I don't I don't necessarily blame him for releasing evil mantises to sure. eat everyone. Um, I probably would do the same. So yeah, I mean, if you have access to giant killer, you man hungry. Know, yeah. Mantises, uh, yeah, yeah. Mantises. I, why not? I, mean, I, I, I take I, advantage. I, but if your not, balls are gone, isn't your testosterone down? So maybe you wouldn't. You'd be like, I don't know. Who cares? You know. I don't but, know. But you might still have a grudge, dude. Um, yeah. Like, like I'm, I, dude. I'm not castrated. Okay. But if I, I know, power, I've seen. But if I had <laughs> power over giant mantises, I'd still have them kill everybody. So I can only imagine what I would do if I actually had been castrated. Ride them around, have fun, you know. Yeah, yep. petting zoo, maybe. I don't know. All right, all right. Anyway, sorry, intermission Scott. over. That's okay. Yes, yes, yes. There we go. Uh, all right, he, he loves the taste of women's breasts. Then he'll tear open her body and pull out her insides a little at a time as he chooses to eat them. Dyke, you madman, stop it. Don't make me see her torn. Did anybody stop you when you were carving me to pieces in that pasture, Kane? Did you did any of you care when you took all the money and left me there? But that was when we were kids. Oh, Jesus, I'm bleeding to death, you devil. Why don't you go ahead and cut me up, kill me any way you want to? But make that that thing let Nan go. Sorry, Kane. Watching Nan die is part of your punishment. Dyke struck out with the shining machete twice more and took off the man's ears. After what came after after that came his nose, his lips, his cheeks. He was a faceless thing now, with only his eyes left. 
blood streaming from his wounds and coloring the ground around him and his torturer. Dyke moved his boot into the blood and, st and stirred the gathering pool of it, splashing the redness about. Bleed for me, Cain. The more you bleed, the less time it will take you to die when I give you to my beasts. The man's whisper was wrung from the depths of his suffering. Make that beast kill her fast, Dyke. Don't let him tear her open while she's still alive. Drama! Dyke looked at the mutilated man quickly, hoping that tears were spilling from his eyes, and they were. The stream of them mingled with the blood that ran from his faceless face and gushed down upon his slashed clothes, his exposed body. Dyke said, God, this is what I came to see. You crying for me, Cain. That's what all four of you have to do before you die. Cry your best for me. God, this is my triumph, my manhood that you thought you destroyed, my joy in living. I thought I could never be happy again, but I can and I am standing here watching you grovel and beg and cry. I'm as high as the sky and as wide as the world. I'm a man, you hear me? A man, a man. I took a few more slices off Cain and then stopped to let him both view the crimson killings that the mantises were inflicting. He saw Nan's breasts and Slayer's two claws. He sat upon her as he held them high, seeming to admire them before eating them. The, <laughs> the blood from them ran down over the mantis, but he let it go, seeming to see only the beautiful breasts he held. A moment later, he was devouring one of them with a happy hissing that gave out his delight. When that delicacy was gone, he put the Whoa. other breast into his mouth and chewed it to bits, swallowing every bit slowly, savoring the taste. Next, he bit off the woman's shoulders and thighs, letting the blood run red around her as he ate her flesh. She was screaming, moaning, cursing, all to no good. Slayer only relished her body the more for the noise she gave him. She he took her arms and ate the meat from them, breaking the bones to gain the marrow. He did the same with her legs. Suddenly, he spied her eyes and bent toward them with his claws ready. He dug them out of their sockets and ate them pleasurably following them with as much of her face as was edible to him. Her nose and her mouth, her chin and her ears, her cheeks that he bit to the bones. He sucked some of the blood she shed, letting part of it escape him and make rivers onto the grass, a red stream about them both. Hot surprisingly, damn. surprisingly, the woman still lived, but she had ceased to scream, was now lying under the beast's feet, unmoving, unseeing, unable to do more than die. Slayer cut her body apart and tore out the sweet food that her inner parts gave him. When he took her bleeding heart from her, she relaxed in death. Dyke moved from Cain to Nan and back to Cain. This was the ultimate suffering of a human being, and he glorified in it. I'm sorry, he gloried in it as he had in the, in the agony. Glory hold in it. <laughs> I'm getting close to the end here. Uh, uh, when this Good, because I was about to come too. So. <laughs> we'll get you there. Uh, he gloried in it as he had the agonies of Pete and Zeb. When this man was dead, there would be only Ryan left. Half of the crowd on the lawn was eaten and dead, with the mantises ready to start their second course. As they ripped into the next group of bodies, Dyke saw that they were sucking up the blood that had sunk into the grass about them, belching often in their greediness to obtain every available bite of flesh and marrow, every drop of the flowing blood. In moments, the beasts had disposed of the second group, they sat surrounded by the dry bones of those they had devoured, 
All of the giant feet were smeared red with the blood of their victims, and Dyke thought idly that they should be ornaments on Christmas trees back in the States. So red and so green was the scene. When there was no more flesh to be eaten, no more marrow to be drawn from the bones, the insects fell on their bellies and sucked loudly at the blood that still lingered in the grass, drinking as much of it as they could pull from the myriad red stains about them. At last, Dyke brought his blurred gaze back to Cain and saw that the wounded man was crumpled upon the ground, gasping for breath, groaning heavily, emitting sounds that were not words, were only the mutterings of a lost mind and a battered body. Dyke asked himself aloud, shall I slash off his head mercifully and give him to the insects dead? But he answered himself, no, I will not go soft for any of my four old foes. I will carve this man into little pieces as I swore to him. I would, and throw the pieces of him to my beasts. He began to wave the machete about wildly, lashing out at Cain with the weapon again and again. Bit by bit, he sliced the man to shreds, laughing like a maniac, as the blood flowed afresh with each new slash, as the chunks of flesh came off the bones and fell to the ground. When he was down to the torso, he sliced open the body with his machete and cut the organs from it, tossing them to the insects, allowing the creatures to fight over the bites laughing as he finally decapitated Cain and threw, his, threw the head to Slayer as he watched his chief mantis break Cain's skull and dine upon his brain. His enemy's blood was almost covering him now, and he loved the sight of it, felt the greater and more powerful because of it. He said aloud, Slayer, friend, we have done well here. Are you full of the people meat and ready to move on? <laughs> the beast raised his head, holding two parts of Cain's skull in his claws, as he still sucked them for flavor. He seemed to reply, yes, my friend, I am full of this wonderful meal and the others are full too. It has been a grand night for us all. Well, that's really heartwarming. I what mean, like the, the fuck <laughs> is, what the absolute fuck? Hey, that's, you know, like uh, it's a happy Mantis family and their I, human friend had a good yeah. dinner. That's what I got from that. Yeah. I guess that's what I got from it as well, which is why, Your Honor, I'll refer to my initial statement of what the fuck is happening in this book. It's, it's culinary fiction. It's much more intimate than I needed it to be for like that, but whatever, you know, hey. I thought it was something. Yeah. You know what? You're right. It was absolutely something. It was something. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that might be something uh, worth reading since probably very few people uh, have read it. And or will ever read it. Certainly yeah. That's don't okay. Mean That's okay. <laughs> we, we don't, yeah. like, not all of our ideas are, are great. But, you know, we just... <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, it, that was hey, people awesome. who say it's hard to write a book. Eh. Anybody can do it. This, I mean, this got published. Yeah, Literally, so. anyone. Yeah. yeah. No, that that's example. real. That's uh, that was very... awesome, dude. I loved that. Yeah. I kind of want this UK cover as like a poster in my room. It's like because the because the, the mantis Chris. I don't know if you've looked at it. He's all bloody did, and shit. You did. He's bloody. He's not bloody on the American cover. Oh no, no, it's no, like, no. I, I looked at the one that Scott showed us. Oh 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 yeah, the other one. So it's like it's like Mortal Kombat on uh, SNES versus Genesis. You know, it's the bloody one mm, is Genesis. Yeah. So. yeah. Gotcha. Great, great, yeah. great contribution as always. Scott. Yes, thank you, thank you for that. You're uh, welcome. That, that that mantis carnage and that. And I um, apologize to everyone else. Yes, <laughs> I regret nothing as usual. 
All right, guys. Well, now that we've got those segments uh, out of the way, I think it's time to move into our topic, our ongoing topic, which is urban legends. Oh, even Bear, Did even you hear Bear that? got startled. That was the ghost of the urban legends. <laughs> Ooh, urban legends. Yeah, Chris, I am back. Uh, I'm back on it as we've been talking about urban legends is our series right now, and uh, I've been I've been enjoying it actually. I I really liked uh, mm-hmm. Spring Hill Jack last week. Uh, I think I'm going to get a Spring Hill Jack tattoo on my ass. Shouts right. out to Jonathan Butcher. Uh, he was definitely been my he's been my favorite urban legend so far. But hey, there's still time. I'm just saying that's a front runner for me. A spring. I am team I'm, I'm not, Jack. I am not surprised by that at all. Based <clears> thank on the you. story. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, what a great story. Uh, anyway, um, so I uh, as we've been going, you know, la- last time I, I talked, I, I went off the beaten path. I was talking about. <clears throat> You know, uh, an urban legend from the Philippines, but I've been—I wanted to bring it all the way back to the local thing now, and I really am trying to find local things about my new town of Las Vegas because you—you'd be like, man, there's got to be a lot of crazy shit going on there, but you got to dig a little bit. And this week, I did do some digging and a lot of reading, and found out uh, this urban legend of the Luxor being cursed here in las vegas do you know what the luck the luxor are you familiar oh, yeah, with that yeah hotel? The, the casino yeah. hotel yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that it's it's a pyramid yep. and it has a sphinx outside and this huge like or a hugely bright beam of light shoots mm-hmm. from the fucking top of it at night yeah it's, it's it's pretty cool it looks really cool and i've been to vegas a few times and and yeah it does look really cool it, it is it is a cool looking thing but it is uh allegedly cursed uh, according to stories and legends. So, as we said, this is a giant glass pyramid that sits out here in the desert on the strip. Uh, and it has a, uh, at the entrance, a sphinx. There is a single sphinx that sits at the entrance of the casino that you like walk in and it's like whatever. Um, so, the thing, okay, so the history of this this hotel was first of all that it started bad because they were already cutting corners. Um, the guy that that built this hotel, uh, this was the actually the people that ran that run Circus Circus, which are you familiar with that? Mm-hmm. Uh, Circus Circus is one of the older hotels on the strip that that is like a, like that. It's a Circus Circus. If you've watched uh um Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, uh, mm-hmm. anybody out there, you'll see like the the hotel that. Uh, he and Gonzo go into with uh, merry-go-round and all that shit. That yeah, sort it's, of it's, it's very of, it's very famously referenced in the book as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah but uh, yeah, just for reference point for people who haven't read it. But that's the hotel, and it's 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 like got a lot of fucking crazy shit going on. It is like a circus when you go in. Um, there's like fucking people walking on tightropes above you. It's fucking nuts. Um, 
So this is the same people that built the Luxor. And with the Luxor, like behind that was they wanted to create more of a um, something that would appeal to families coming to Las Vegas. They wanted that family money. You know what I mean? Because mm. people got kids and shit and they got to bring them with them sometimes. So that's what they were trying to build something that would appeal to kids. They, they had this whole Egyptian theme. Uh, inspired and this was going to be the family resort the family friendly resort of las vegas when they built this um so of course like they cut a a fuck ton of corners um because of this the people the you know conglomerate of people who are building this were just cheap as fuck so they managed the costs down just let me give you just for an example um the mirage which was built the same year uh it cost them $630 million to build the Mirage. Okay. The mm-hmm. fine hotel. Okay. Uh, the Luxor, which is this huge fucking pyramid with all these statues and all this shit, 375 million. They cut it almost in half, basically, which was unheard of. Like people are like, how the fuck did you do this? And it, it, it what the, the history says is like, this is actually kind of cool. Like in the article I read, like, but it didn't, it came with another price tag. Colon lies. Bah, so, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> yeah, so the ham horns like <laughs> so when the Luxor opened, it wasn't really even ready. It was one of those things where they like had a hard date, they opened, they already had shit booked, people were already booking things, they weren't ready, but they had to open. So when people came to stay initially, a lot of people stayed in unfinished rooms. Shit that did not work. Uh, if you haven't seen inside of the uh, of the hotel, you know, go on Google Images, look inside. The elevators that are in there are not like a regular elevator that goes up and down. They call it an inclinator. So it actually goes at like a thirty nine degree angle up, like how the pyramid is, and takes you to your to your room. So right. they had that. That's the elevator. People were checking in, and those weren't those weren't even working right at all. Uh, so people had to use the stairs. It was like this whole like fucking big rigmarole. And then they get open and start and fig- find out that they are literally sinking because there's a soft spot uh, in the desert where they've built at the end of the strip. So all of this fucking shit is just like from off the bat. So they think that so because of all these, you know, tight deadlines, all these construction workers are working overtime more like than they should uh it was only like ever reported that one person died in the in the building of this structure, but it's believed that there were many many deaths that were covered up to, to protect the reputation of the resort. And uh, you know, so people are like, "How the fuck do they do that?" Well, money, honey, you pay off the fucking family and say like, "Hey, also, if you say anything about this, then we'll take all of this money away plus anything you ever had in your entire life," and that's how you get away with it. Uh, which sucks. So like, you know, there's, there's a reports as, as many as seven to, you know, maybe 20 people that perished building this, this thing. Um, it, it, it was supposed to like reported. I don't know anything about construction, but according to construction reports that this was, this was Con- a different construction.com. Yes. Yeah. Construction.com whitehouse.gov <laughs> com. Uh, this was like a this was a tricky construction because of the angle of the the way the building was. So it was dangerous, and it, it just didn't start. Everything just started bad for this this resort, right? Um, 
So it gets open, it starts going, and this resort starts to become synonymous with people killing themselves in it um, and off of it and around it. And this is another thing that is is very much uh, – there's a lot of attention paid to covering up a lot of these deaths. So like – like there's one in 1996, this woman jumps to jumps from the fucking 26th floor, bl- like explodes upon impact. Basically, they can't identify her, whatever. Uh, people are eating like down like it's the entrance to the buffet where she jumped and <laughs> I thought shit. They were going to say people were eating her. People, <laughs> people just ran up, started eating her. You know, it's Vegas. You know? What's the yeah. praying mantis? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There was there was eight praying mantises. They're precious is. <laughs> My precious slayers. Uh, so like like I said, she was so ravaged, they couldn't identify her and apparently never have. So these are like these, you know, this is where the legends come into play. Apparently, like it's been said, maybe she was a sex worker who was grieving after she was diagnosed with HIV recently, so jumped off to kill herself. And, you know, there's been the, the story behind that is like that her ghost is believed to haunt the 26th floor where she jumped off you know, the thing. So that's, that's part of that. But interestingly enough, they, uh, where, like I said, she landed in front of where the entrance to the, uh, the buffet was, uh, they have since actually cleared that area out. And now it is an entire food court, uh, where she landed and splattered to death. (laughs) And, uh, have they told people about that? No, because why would you, they do not. I've read so many articles about how they will not like, we will never know. um, Question. Yeah. Um, So is it confirmed that this woman actually that this actually happened or is this just part of the urban legend? Like this is confirmed as actually happening. Uh, but the, you know, the fact that she's a ghost or, or like who, who, who she was and why she killed herself are like what's speculated upon. But yeah, so this woman actually did that. This woman actually did jump down there and like now it's a food court and they don't, they don't even they don't even have the decency to call it the splattered unknown woman food cart in her memorial memory. food. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, memorial you know, cafeteria. interestingly enough, they try they 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 you know workshopped a few ideas. No, dude, it's uh, I read a bunch of articles about like you know looking at urban legends and stuff in Vegas, and we'll never know how many uh, people have killed themselves in hotels because they get, it's covered up so 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 often sure. because they don't want that to get out. So like, man, it's, it's, it's absolutely insane. I guarantee you in at least the amount of hotels that I've stayed in, somebody has fucking killed themselves in one of those. I promise. Like you can't, you can't, the odds are too fucking crazy, you know? No, I, I totally believe that. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, hold on. I'm pulling it up here because I want to make sure I get the right. The right uh, hotel. What was the hotel? Where in Vegas? Yeah, yeah, the one that there was the the big uh, Mandalay Bay. Like if Mandalay Bay can continue after the twenty seventeen oh uh, Jesus Christ massacre, mm-hmm. then I think any other hotel can get over a little suicide. You know, I think I, they can move Jesus on. Christ. Uh, I'm just I want, saying, dude. No, no, no. Sure. I've thought about that because I was like, does that is that room even open to rent that that guy? Did the shooting out of? Like, I I can't imagine. But I mean, the hotels managed to survive it, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. I mean, yeah. You know, it was like the deadliest shooting in American history. Mass shooting. Yeah, Yeah, in American history. Yeah. Uh, 
and the, that hotel's still around. So, well, I mean, and, and the so M- what's a little suicide, you know? The original MGM like had that huge fire that killed like sixty-five right. people, you know, and right. and that's another like I I don't know I think I might have touched on that in one of these, but yeah, that's supposed to be like. Uh, MGM's not there anymore. Whatever hotel is on that site now is supposed to be haunted by those people who couldn't get out and all that shit. Mm. Um, but okay, so going on with like the Luxor. So uh, along with all these urban legends, like it is cursed. It is supposed to is supposed to be known as being cursed now, right? Mm. <clears throat> One of the ex- like examples of things that have happened there that they think is attributed to the curse, like this dude that worked there, twenty four year old kid. There's somebody. There's a cup of coffee on his on his fucking car in the garage, and he goes and picks Whoa! it up, and it's a bomb, and the shrapnel inside <laughs> oh, of it like shit, kill, that's kills even him. Scarier. That's even yeah. scarier. I so was, it was scared that there was a coffee like no nowhere. no. So it, it was basically like <laughs> a like, like a uh, what do you call that <laughs> IED improvised explosive device that some people made. But the thing is like it says two men were found and convicted, but they they had no motive and they just did it randomly and they they attribute that to it being cursed there was another thing where like this is the other story where i'm like whatever dude this just sounds like a bunch of bros being bros um some ufc fighters or mma fighters uh and a las vegas university of nevada football player and an mma fighter basically get into some drunk fight at a hotel one of them gets kicked out and then he comes back and 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 kicks the guy's ass so bad that he dies in the in the luxor which to me it's like i don't know if that's a curse necessarily kind of sounds like par for the course yeah it just sounds like <laughs> vegas yeah yeah it's just yeah. good promo yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly that that's like the shit talk before the fight at the weigh-in uh, <laughs> i killed my fucking friend man um <laughs> but one thing i thought that this was kind of scary or terrifying like that those their their uh, elevator the inclinators like i said um at, uh, one, it's you know uh, documented that uh, this guy uh there was a two fucking colleagues from the air force or whatever that were staying there and they got into some argument on in the law or in the um fucking ho- hallway or whatever and the one guy he pushed his buddy into the into the doors of the inclinator which he hit them and they just opened up for no reason because there was no elevator there and he went right through and fell like 25 stories or whatever the fuck down to his death and all that kind of shit um and then they like like to tack on like something like there's been no updates as to what happened like whatever fuck you uh (laughs) This was kind hey, of hey hey yeah. what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas exactly that and I think that fell underneath <laughs> that proxy or whatever under the, yeah, yeah. Under they were grand they were grandfathered law. in exactly yeah. um this was kind of funny because this is real like this is reported in 2012 they had a bacterial contamination outbreak in like the um uh water supply there uh that gave people legionnaires disease uh that had the legionella bacteria which causes legionnaire disease and, it, and they went back and figured it out and it turned out like the the chlorinating heating water system thing that they had put in place to purify the water uh was uh, you know malfunctioning so all of this bacteria ended up getting through for some small period of time which like gave all these people legionnaires disease which sucks wow uh, but this is a great advertisement for this hotel. Yeah. <laughs> this <whole thing. laughs> is it? I think it makes it kind of sound shitty. <laughs> <laughs> 
I see we are unfamiliar with sarcasm. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, so and then and then I know I've been going on, but just like. So just to just to wrap up my Luxor curse. So the Luxor, like we talked about, it's an Egyptian themed thing. I don't think we can like every Egyptian story that we've probably ever fucking read or heard of or was ever conceived involves like a curse, you know, uh, when you break into the tombs and all that kind of stuff. This this is, you know, with the Luxor, it's said to basically be flaunting like disrespect in the face of the Egyptian the Egyptians beliefs yeah. and what it like all is supposed to be because first of all you know inside of this one of the one of the attractions you can go to is an ex- exact replica of King Tut's tomb right that you can go in and tour and like, blah, 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 blah. and that's supposed to be extremely disrespectful mm-hmm. um and then like the I said that there's a sphinx that's out there that you walk in. That's how you get in. And right, it's believed, like uh, popularly believed, that you don't have one sphinx. There's two, and they're supposed to be what watches over, right, facing each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, what we see in ancient Egypt, like it's you know believed that one is colli- you know, is gone for whatever reason. But they're supposed to be two. So now there's this huge, huge bad luck omen on that there's one sphinx watching over all of the wealth inside of the hotel plus the lives of the guests and mm. that's why there's no balance there and that's why it's so treacherous all the time uh, in there. You know, this is whatever people say. Uh, but very, very cool. Also as far as that, the only way the curse can be lifted, which I love this, we all love a happy ending, uh-huh. is if they put um, uh, like a, a, the sigil of, of an eye on the top of the pyramid where the light is. Uh, you know how that Egyptian eye kind of like uh-huh. thing. Mm-hmm. So they have to put one of those at the top of the pyramid on the light. The curse will be lifted. Curse is over. Curse is broken, people. <laughs> have they done it? No. No, they have not done it. And, you know, people see that shit. That light can be seen from space. Uh, pilots can see that when they take off in California. They see the light of the Luxor in Las Vegas. It's fucking insane. Uh, but also to, to, to just bookend all of this, it's uh, been reported and highly, uh, you know, talked about that, you know, the site of where they actually built this because it was at the end of the strip and stuff when it was built is a popular burial ground for mobsters, victims, um, which isn't all of Vegas. So as we know, nothing mm-hmm. good has happened uh, when you build something upon uh, uh, ancient a, a, mobster a, burial yeah, ground. Yeah, it's like building your house upon the sand like Satan would well, want you to. It's funny that they haven't done the eye. The eye is the um, the eye of Horus. Um, yes. The, the yeah, Egyptian eye. Um, and it's funny that they haven't bothered to do that. I mean, they've done all this other Egyptian decor- decorative stuff. Uh, but uh, it is it is also interesting that, the, that this is also tied in so much with suicide. Because, of course, one of the most famous suicides in history is Cleopatra. Mm-hmm. Um and there you go so it's like i don't know it's there's a lot of mystery around this john wayne it's a lot of mystery and it's a lot of legend and curse and that kind of it's a fun story but also i I, you know i mean as far as like this is the town where if you're gonna jump off your fucking balcony 
you're gonna fucking do. I mean, there's I, mean, I imagine there's so many unreported suicides that we have no idea about mm. in in at least mm. in Las Vegas at every single hotel that they're all cursed. But you know, yeah. Yeah. but it's it's fun to kind of go and this has that kind of Egyptian like ooh spooky like we fucking yeah. pissed off the gods or something kind of element to it. Um, so it's fun, but you know the Blue Man Group performs there, so that's cool. It's and they're fun to off the gods. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's, if, if that's also, not proof that it's cursed, I don't know what is. You know, <laughs> it's also fun to watch the Blue Man Group, uh, even though I, they're a total ripoff of the Smurfs. I blew myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess uh, very good, uh, gentlemen. It's very, very cool. Yeah. Um, I hope mine lives up to uh, <clears throat> lives up to the to that. Um, I'm going to pull up my information right now, gentlemen. Uh, my story is actually one that's also true to where I live now. Uh, it's a Connecticut urban legend. Uh, and this is the urban legend of Little People's Village, uh, which is apparently tucked away in the woods of Middlebury. Mm. Uh, so basically, what little what little person's village is, is deep in the woods of Middlebury. I know John Wayne's all already laughing. Uh, but when I say little people, I don't mean little people as in human beings of, just, of, of a shorter height. I mean little people I, as in very small pixie people. I just uh, feel like they changed it from the midgets of Middlebury because it was offensive. No. <laughs> <laughs> that does that does have a catchy sound to it, though. Uh, no, no, it was. It's not supposed to be, um, you know, dwarves, midgets, little people. It's it's supposed to be like pixies fairies little people uh you know uh, fictional uh and uh it's 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 called this because apparently in middlebury if you go deep enough in the woods there are these tiny little houses and little churches and a whole little like community that's built uh of, of you know like out of stone and stuff uh and the legend goes that about 100 years ago uh, well, there's two versions of the legend because it's an urban legend. So, of course, there's two versions. Uh, one one version is, is that there were a man and woman who were kind of hermits that lived out in the woods. And the woman was a witch. Uh, and she communicated with pixies, with these you know tiny flying fairies that lived in the forest. Uh, and that they communicated with her and that they wanted to build a village around her house. Uh, so, you know. There was the stone house that the witch and the man lived in, and then there were the little pixie village uh, that was built by the man for the pixies, uh, and these pixies would do the bidding of the witch. Uh, that's one version of it. The other version of it is about 100 years ago, 1920s, whatever, there was a hermit who lived alone, and this guy was out there in the woods, and he started to uh, hear these voices, and the voices were telling him that they were these pixies and that he needed to build this village. Uh, and so he started to slowly build these little houses, these little hospitals and banks and whatever the fuck else. He built a fucking full-on village uh, for the pixie people, uh, but he never saw them. He never like experienced them except within his own mind. And basically he was mad uh, or that he was driven mad by the voices of these pixies uh, and that he built this whole village, but never saw them, never experienced them. And then ultimately committed suicide. Uh, and he just like went mad out in the woods of Middlebury. 
So that is the legend, right? Now here's where it gets a little interesting. Uh, there actually is a village. <laughs> this is true. There really is in the woods of Middlebury, these little houses, these, these tiny little houses. And of course, you know, it's a hundred years later, these houses are, you know, decrepit, dilapidated. Uh, but there is a main house that was someone's home. And then all around it throughout this, you know, empty wilderness are these little, little homes, including uh, a throne. There is a throne uh, that is set up in the center of this little people village. Uh, and the legend has it that anyone who sits on the throne will be dead within seven years. Um, so again, this, this place exists, okay? Um, and here's, here's where it gets uh, not quite as cool and spooky, but this is, I want to give you the, the truth of, of it all. Um, so, yeah, uh, many people uh, who visit it claim that it's haunted by the spirits of the little people or the ghosts of these, tor or the ghosts that uh, tormented uh, these people, uh, whether it was just the guy or if it was his, uh, his him and his wife. Uh, so apparently if you go out there, you can hear the voices of the little people. And if you stay out there long enough, the little people will get into your head, much like they did this hermit guy and like drive you insane, make you kill yourself and maybe build a whole other fucking village. Uh, so it's kind of a cool, spooky story. Uh, but here's the thing about the, the truth of it, because as I said, you can go out to Middlebury and you could go down, a, you know, a, a, like a access road. You know, if you go on Route 30, uh, or I'm sorry, Route 63 in Middlebury, just north of Junction of uh, of I-84, uh, you can get off on a, a, a and take a little short stroll, uh, and you can get to uh, the Little People's Village. You could actually go find it. So here's here's where it gets not as interesting because, uh, as again, it's a true story, so it's not going to be as cool. Uh, the true story. Uh, is that Little People's Village was simply once an elaborate attraction on a trolley line that was part of nearby Lake uh, Kuasi Amusement Park. It was built in the early part of the 20th century and was originally known as the quote-unquote fairy village. The throne appears to have been part of an ornamental garden, and many of the concrete structures here were part of the trolley stop. Uh, when the trolley line ceased running, uh, there was no way to reach the attraction, and as such, it was no longer visited and fell into disrepair. So Little People Village was never the work of an insane man uh, bent on pleasing his disturbed wife uh, or a hermit who, like, you know, went mad, uh, but of entrepreneurs interested in making a few bucks by creating an odd little roadside attraction. Uh, it was popular for a while, but then eventually became forgotten. Uh, as happened so many times with abandoned sites, when it was rediscovered by subsequent generations who didn't know its history, a more interesting one was fashioned. Um, so, but the thing is, is if you go out there, it's still there and it is creepy and it's even creepier now because it's had a hundred years to be, uh, to decompose and to be vandalized as well with all sorts of spooky shit. Uh, and so unfortunately now, when you go out there, it's kind of a disappointment uh, because so much of it has been destroyed. Um, <clears throat> 
uh, even though, like, you know, the elements have eroded most of the structures, a tremendous amount of damage has been done by vandals, so much so that uh, that essentially only one quote-unquote little building uh, remains standing. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, <laughs> a lot of people will go, and you can actually still go to the throne, but many people are still reluctant to sit on it, so they stand on it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, that's basically what I have on the on the legend. Nice. Any comments at all? <laughs> I mean, I want to sit. On, I will sit on that throne. I'll flaunt the face sure. of danger, dude. Well, yeah, you're going to die in seven years anyway with all the drugs you take. So <laughs> I saw the film. I saw. I saw the ring. That's right. I watched the ring video. Seven That's days. True. Seven you years. Did do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That is true. But no, it's just kind of cool. It's like this creepy little story. And the fun thing is, is you look it up and you can see pictures of this little village that was built so at first uh and, and the thing is is like most people hear these legends they don't bother to deeply research it and find out that it was part of an amusement park uh they're just like holy shit there's this creepy little village of like smurf people that lived out here you know <laughs> <laughs> wow so. there's uh there's some uh houses in my neighborhood here in philly uh where people I've built um, like miniature hobbit holes in their front yards. So like they have (laughs) have these like doors that are like, I don't know, like this big, like round doors and they they decorate them on their like little patch of of land in the front of their houses. Just in case Elijah Wood shows up. You never know. It could happen. It could happen. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's, that's one of the things I like about, about this story is that it's, um, you know, it's this this kind of like not necessarily a horror tale, but I like the idea of like this hermit living out in the woods and like building this yeah. village for these little pixie monster things. You know, yeah. it's kind of it's kind of a different urban legend yeah. as as opposed fantastical. To the, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. it's a it's a different a little bit of different flavor from the Bigfoots and the you know killer in the back seats. You know, so uh, but. Anyway, that's what I've got. So I hand it over to you, Scott, our special guest. You are mm. the head, you are the headliner. Let's let's see what you got. Okay. Well, I I figured I would talk about a few things because I don't have tons and tons to say about any of them in particular. But <laughs> right. um, I uh, I was I was trying to come up with something obscure as as requested, um, and I was thinking back to. Um, well, I, I, when I was younger, I moved around a lot. I lived in a number of different places, but the, probably the longest amount of time uh, as, a, as a kid where I lived was in New Jersey. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, the Jersey Devil. But then I thought, no, nah, no, nah, everybody knows yeah. the Jersey Devil. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty. So, I mean, there's even a sports team named after him at this point. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. Not exactly obscure. Yeah. Although I will, there's, there's one little tidbit that I find interesting about the Jersey Devil, and that is that uh, in... <clears throat> Uh, I think it was 1909. There was like a big panic over it, and uh, a um, a uh, a guy who I don't know, a couple of brothers who ran a museum in Philadelphia claimed to have captured the Jersey Devil, and they had it on display. And you know, I, I guess people paid whatever the admission fee was to go see the Jersey Devil in Philly, um, and it turned out to be like that one of the brothers had bought a kangaroo from a zoo and 
uh, glued claws, <laughs> claws up. onto yeah. it and like glued, <laughs> glued bat wings to its back or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's, you know, kind of ridiculous. Funny. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking back and I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything at first, but then I was talking to my sister and my brother-in-law and they reminded me of the Atco ghost, which mm. was, um, there's a town called Atco, New Jersey and, um, kind of, <laughs> kind of close to Jersey devil country. Um, I lived a few towns over, uh, kind of right on the edge of the New Jersey pine barrens, which is, you know, where the Jersey devil is from. Right. And so they're all there, all the, story is is that uh, apparently there was a kid and he was playing outside and it was maybe a little after dark and and he was playing with his basketball and he got hit by a drunk driver and was killed and the and the driver you know hit and run took off and uh to this day supposedly you can you can go uh down this lonely stretch of road after dark and there's supposed to be a certain area where you stop and you uh, you flash your uh, your headlights three times and honk the horn three times, and then you're supposed to see the ghostly image of the child bouncing his basketball across the mm-hmm. street. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I like have this vague recollection of doing that at some point when I was in high school, but you know, I, of course, did not see anything. Um, there is there. I, I just want to quickly. Um, there is a similar legend uh, where I've come from in Florida, where uh, if you go down into like the Vero Beach area uh, and you go down certain streets and you flash your lights three times, uh, crack whores will come out of the the woods <laughs> to offer to blow you for blowjobs. Oh, okay, uh, that's is, a that's well, a common hold legend. On, hold on, hold on. Uh, this is this is one of those urban legends that turns out to be totally true. Um, oh, interesting. This is just this is just how you signal them. Anyway, continue. <laughs> okay, interesting. All right. Um, that sounds terrifying. Um, it's it's that, it's it not really even, is true. I'm not even joking. I think that was informational more than legendary. It is. It is. Everybody knows well, if you go down Pinewood, if you flash your lights, crack horse yeah, come I out. I don't remember which street it is, but uh, this is true. I uh, do. But anyway. Sorry. <laughs> so, okay. So I guess, so I have, there were three that I, that I figured I'd mention. So that's the first. The second um, is more local to me now because I now live in Philadelphia, uh, specifically West Philadelphia, where I was neither born nor raised. Uh, but I do live here now. Um, and that is that in the 1950s, I, I think it was 1959, 58, 59, something like that. There were reports of the green lady. And what that was is apparently a number of uh, kids in school started becoming terrified and would make these reports to their teachers. I saw, I saw this green lady. I saw the green lady. And apparently, you know, kid goes to sort of like, uh, a slightly less populated hallway in the school and they encounter a ghostly woman who is all green, dressed in green, has green skin, green hair, and these piercing red eyes, and she's holding a spear. And apparently there were a number of reports uh, back in the late 50s, like I said, and a number of different students who were not connected all mentioned this, and it 
quickly spread to multiple schools in West Philly. And um, there was there's at least one newspaper article about it at the time. And eventually things died down, but n- nobody ever was able to explain what the story of the Green Lady was. Ooh. So then the third one I wanted to talk about is extremely not local. Um, and I was hoping that nobody mentioned it. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think maybe it's a little obs- obscure to to uh, the Western world, but it's very well known in Japan, and that is uh, the legend of the slit-mouthed woman, also known as Kuchisake Ona. And what that is is uh, supposedly, if you are out walking on your own at night, be careful because you may encounter her. Um, you got to be very careful. You need to make sure you get home quickly if it's after dark because, unfortunately, you may run into a slit-mouthed woman. Uh, she has, uh, She's tall and thin, has long, straight black hair, and she wears, uh, very fitting for today, in that she wears a uh, white surgical mask over her uh. face. And she also carries with her a sharp object, which is, uh, especially in the in the modern versions of this, it is is often a very large, long pair of scissors that she carries with her. Mm. If you encounter her, she's very tough to avoid. She is supernaturally fast, so you can't simply run away. She'll always catch you. Um, but the thing is that she will she will kind of corner you, and she will say, "Am I pretty?" to which you respond either yes or no. If you say no, she kills you with, with the scissors. Like, like all women would, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you always slit- say yes when a woman asks you if she's pretty. <laughs> Slit-mouthed or not. Um, so if you say no, she's not pretty, you're immediately killed. If you say yes, then she pulls the mask off to reveal that her mouth uh. has been slit open from ear to ear like a glasgow she, smile <laughs> yes and she bears her her teeth and shows you that and then says even now do you still think i'm pretty oh if you say no once again she kills you if you say yes she then slashes your mouth to match her own oh shit that fucking so, bitch, you can't win bitch uh, you can't win. <laughs> she is. She's. Uh, there's. There's a history to this. Apparently, it's been around for hundreds of years, possibly as as uh, long ago as the 1600s. Wow. Um, and she's said to be um, possibly uh, a uh, the wife of a samurai who uh, committed adultery, and so the samurai disfigured her with his sword, um, slashing her across the mouth. Or because he committed adultery? Yeah, that's no, because gonna, no, because, because she, she did. did. Oh, yeah. she. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, um, I, I, I got the same. I had the same thought. I was like, Wait sorry. A yeah, that's okay. Um, so that's one version. There's another version that says that maybe she was uh, the victim of a of a dental procedure gone horribly wrong. Um, so there's a few different versions of it. I do like the idea of the guy coming home and being like, "I cheated on you." Yeah. Fucking. God damn it! I. Like, uh, your fault (laughs) (laughs) and so yeah if you encounter her uh you're kind of screwed but apparently there are 
there are two ways that you can possibly escape from her. And one is that you can- uh, Pocket sand! There you go. (laughs) (laughs) One of them is uh, actually to leave uh, hard candies on the ground in front of her. And there's a specific type of hard candy Skittles, uh, probably. I'm gonna. Oh, she like really? Is she <laughs> really a, old? Like a grandma? You got? Like, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, where there's originals. That'll do it. No, it's a. Yeah. I, I forget what it's called. I think it's called something like Becco Abe or something, and it's like it's just made from caramelized sugar. It has like a. So flavor. it's Japan's uh, it, it, version of Werther's. Yeah, yeah exactly. Probably. It's the Japanese yeah. Werther's, dude. Um, <laughs> so you can you can leave some candy or possibly some money. And that'll distract her long enough that you can kind of exit stage left and, and be on your way and get home as quickly as possible before she realizes what's happening. Or the other way is that uh, rather than saying yes or no to the question, am I pretty, uh, have no reaction whatsoever because she will be able to sense fear if you show it. So you have to have to keep steady, keep a poker face and, and tell her, uh, you're average. <laughs> okay and that All apparently right. will will confuse her for a moment and also and give you enough could, time and then you could just so, run yeah. do you do you give her the candy before or after you get the blowjob <laughs> because her i'm not sure is that yeah. okay yeah. i'll have to do some, research have to do some more research and get back to you I, I didn't see that on the wikipedia I think one of the ways you can get around this is, is to be like, it's not, it's not that you look fat. It's the dress that makes you look fat. That's yeah. 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 That's yeah. I don't know so, if that's a win. I don't know if that's a win for you either, dude, to be nah, quite honest. It's, <laughs> it's, the, it's the mask that makes you look ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or it's the cut in your face that makes you look ugly. Other, yeah. Otherwise you're all right. Uh, yeah. And Chris and I have another uh, offshoot podcast called the Love Advice from Chris and John Wayne. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Coming soon. Yeah, the last people you should listen all to. The winners, all the winners. All the hits. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I love us. <laughs> Brought to yes. you by Werther's Original. Yes. <laughs> Sponsorship. Yes. I'll take that Werther's money, bitch. I'll take it all day. Yeah, Werther's, <laughs> Werther's, and uh, Urkel's weed. Yeah, I got that. I got sponsors. that fucking. Hey, I got that thing on it, man. I'm gonna find that Urkel weed, dude. All right. When it comes very to good. Vegas, very good. You're very good, man. Uh, thanks. You're uh, welcome. It's nice to hear. Uh, and also, uh, Scott Cole is very good. And Scott, we thank you for coming uh, Scott, on. The Scott show Cole tonight. is excellently good. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's always a pleasure to have you, man. Thank you for being on. Thank you. I Hell yeah, as usual. Absolutely. Hey, man, like we were talking earlier, like you've got a a, a book out, uh, a special release out through Thunderstorm. There might be, there's some a few copies left. Tell us about that real quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my book, Crazy Times, uh, which uh, originally came out as a paperback and ebook through Grindhouse Press and is still Shout available out. in those forms. Um, uh, recently, there uh, was a new uh, deluxe limited edition hardcover version of that book came out through thunderstorm books uh mm. super limited only 36 copies exist um and i believe most of them are taken but there are probably still just a couple left if you're interested it's a little bit on the pricier side it's definitely more for collectors mm. um but uh i not only did i write it but i also was able to design the cover and also lay out the interior so 
Oh, hell yeah. That's yeah. very cool. Very yeah. cool. So if there's anybody awesome. out there who uh, is a, an author or publisher or musician or whatever, anybody in, in need of graphic design services, I do that stuff. Uh, you can see a bunch of my work at my website, 13visions.com. That's the numeral 13. Visions is plural. Dot com. Yeah. End of Fuck plug. It. Fuck yeah. And Scott, uh, I can I can attest Scott's uh, art is badass. So definitely yeah, go check definitely. that out. And any like, uh, you know, the Thunderstorm books, you know, they they are a little pricey, um, but it's like it's like the Franklin Mint. It's like an investment in your future. They're beautiful. Uh, oh, yeah. buy these books. So, you know, well, you definitely yeah, yeah, because you're getting you're getting a hardback. It's autographed. Mm. It comes yeah. with like new art. Yeah. Mm. They're signed. They're numbered. Signed yeah, and numbered. You can't be. They're that. like oversized. Um, Very yeah, cool. They're all, everything they do is really, really nice. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, dudes. Well, I guess that's a show. I think that's uh, a wrap for Urban Legends uh, 5, 4, 5? Four. Uh, 4. 4, 5. Yeah. Uh, so five. I think that's a wrap for that. Yeah, I yeah. know. I'm not, like, you're, like, you're thinking through, like, well, I'm gonna, I Yeah. No, it's 5. It is 5. It is 5. This is this is number 5. This yeah. is 5? Well, then I've misnumbered the chat. Well, that's okay. <laughs> Oh well. Uh right. I love you guys. All right guys. <laughs> Have a good night and everybody out there thanks for listening. Good day. Bye.